0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of Watching the Watchers Live, the show that spotlights misconduct involving police, prosecutors, and politicians. My name is Robert Govea, and today we're talking about Donald Trump's motion to compel. He filed this in D.C., in Judge Chutkin's courtroom, and we're going to get into it today. It's a fun one. We love these motions to compel. We know Donald Trump wants discovery, right? This is material that is in the possession of the United States government in Jack Smith's office. And Trump says, hey, we need it. We've already talked about some other letters that Trump and his attorneys have sent over to Jack Smith and his team. And now apparently they're not giving them what they want. So Trump says, all right. Let's get the judge involved. And so they're saying, dear Judge Chutkin, can you please order, can you please compel Jack Smith to give us our materials? And they put in a bunch of different attachments on this. We're going to look through it. There are some serious filings that dropped in the January 6th case that we are going to get into. We've also got Chris Christie who is totally forgetting about the presumption of innocence, which makes sense. He's a former prosecutor, of course. So what do they care about that? But he is out saying, you know, uh, as a former prosecutor, I can't ever, ever vote for Trump because he's going to be convicted. It's already a foregone conclusion, which is wild. So then we'll hear from him. We'll also jump in to another filing from Donald Trump, which is also a good one, also in the courtroom with Judge Chuckkin. And this is a follow-up to another issue that the defense raised previously, which was this question about who is actually on Jack Smith's team. Like, who is on the 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 game field that is working for Jack Smith? Like, are the referees also a part of the team? Or, you know, is the concession guy also a part of the team? Right? Are the announcers a part of the team? Because it sounds like it. It sounds like even the other team is a part of the team. And what the heck's going on here? So we're trying to figure out... How far can Trump go to get information? There's other discoverable material. Is uh, is Homeland Security involved in the prosecution? Right? Is the CIA involved in the prosecution? Is the, you name it, right? Pick a three-letter agency or more and you'll ask yourself, are they a part of this? Because what they did in the January 6 cases is they said, oh, no, 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 none of them are a part of it. You're only entitled to a very small sliver of information that exists in the federal government's databases and it only is per- irrelevant because... Of the FBI, right? That's the only little limited bit that you can get. Forget the rest of it. And so we'll go through this because Trump says, your honor, you got to tell us what what this is so that we can go actually do our job as the defense. We'll hear from this guy on MSNBC's number one hit show called Inside Jen And we'll see what he says about this, because he's saying that Trump is a real serious threat here. And, you know, they got to do whatever they can do, whatever it takes to stop him from wrecking America. And then lastly, in our final segment, we got a new order from Judge Chutkin out of the January 6th case, and she is denying the subpoenas for those missing January 6th records. And these are some records that we've been talking a lot about here. Where'd they all go? Well, we know that there were some Republicans who came in when they took charge over the House of Representatives, and they were asking where all the archives went. Because Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, apparently they were just using a shredder on their way out. Like, uh uh-oh, the Democrats won lost the republicans won and we got to pack up our bags and so hey liz the moving guys are here yeah yeah yeah. i'll be out one second and the all of the various different documents are gone and missing Ch- chutkin says no they're not actually missing at all they're just uh not in the request so we'll see what she says denying those subpoenas we'll also hear from a couple people this woman on msnbc says that trump voters are very susceptible to Trump's speech. Yeah, he might influence you if you listen to him. And so they're so dumb that we got to do something to protect them lest they be influenced by Donaldo. We also then have Mark Elias, who is having a panic attack, right? They're getting a little nervous here that their guy that they installed, uh, Joe Biden, is losing in the polls and looking like it's going down even harder. Millennials or or the, the younger crowd, Uh, are unhappy with him, the the Zillennials or whatever they are. They're all unhappy with Joe. We have this fat fracture in the Middle East problem. And now they're saying Trump's making a mockery of our Justice Department. Hello, you guys have done that. You're making a mockery of yourselves. We're just noticing it. So we're going to talk about that. You can see we've got some good reading to do. We got some heavy lifting in the court dockets. And so we're grateful to have you here and with us. It is a beautiful Tuesday back from the Thanksgiving holiday this morning for our membos only stream, we had a fun conversation about Hunter. Now he's doing this little bluff maneuver where he's like, "I'll come testify in public," and the media is like, "Yeah, he's innocent." We all know that's obviously nonsense. You know, they're they're trying to basically pound the table. You know, and you don't have anything to say. You just kind of double down on everything. It's, it's this concept of agree and amplify, right? If you're just kind of in the in the in the uh, on your heels on something. You just say, oh, you want me to come and testify? Well, you better believe it. Let's live stream it on YouTube. Dang it. OK, relax, Hunter and your lawyers. Just take it easy. You guys are going to come in. We're going to ask you questions and then we're going to do it on our clock and we're going to time it when it's most useful against you right? and your daddy and the rest of your crime family. And so, yeah, of course, there's some politics here to this. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, as they say. Hey, the tables have turned as well. So now we'll see what uh, Comer says. We talked about that this morning on our members only stream. And so that segment will be out later. But if you want to join us for our members only streams in the morning, you can become a member either on locals or either on the YouTubes. Either way, we do member streams in the morning. We do Saturday streams when we're not in the throes of a holiday. And we have a great community there. We're also working on some cool stuff that I'm going to be sharing cool uh, soon. I know I keep saying that, but I'm for real this time. So come check us out. Watching the Watchers dot locals.com we do trump updates there, docket updates this morning we talked about hunty poo and other madness going on we also have our website so as we're going to go through all the pdfs today i got a whole slew of them queued up if you want to get them you can go to robertgovea.com you can just go there find the stories on the report section download the pdfs all the red lines are there and so you can share those stories you can also sign up for the daily newsletter there So that the stories get delivered to your inbox. It would be amazing if you forwarded those to a friend or family member, you know, just said, hey, check out this guy on YouTube or this channel on YouTube or this watcher community. You know, we'd appreciate it. Whatever you do to send them our way, we'd appreciate that. So robertcovea.com is the website to go to to stay connected. And so now let's get into it, my friends. Because we got some good motions, man. You know me, I love a good motion. And these are fresh out of the oven from D.C. Donald Trump files a motion to compel disclosure. We know that his attorneys have already asked Jack Smith and the deranged thugs over there in his office for information. Of course, the government holds all the cards. They have the prosecutors, the FBI, the DOJ's got wheelbarrows full of evidence that they keep dumping on Trump's desk. But we're asking ourselves, what is the total universe of information that's out there. And Trump, of course, they want it all. They want to see everything that's out there from the FBI, CIA, Homeland Security, anybody and everybody who's involved in this investigation. They want the material. But Trump has been sending letters to Jack Smith and he's basically not cooperating. He's not giving them what the defense says that they need. And so Trump and his team filed a motion to compel. They're now asking Judge Chutkin, all right, Judge, we tried to play nice here, but we need you to step in and order this. And of course, Judge Chetkin is probably not going to do that because her history of rules uh, orders in this case have not been favorable to Donald Trump. In fact, they've been generally adverse to him or extremely adverse to him. And so unlikely that this will be granted. But of course, this is Trump anchoring this in. I'm sure he will appeal this. He'll say, I cannot possibly have a fair trial without all of this evidence. And then we'll see what the courts do. On remand, if that happens. But we've got Chris Christie coming up, who's a former prosecutor, throwing out the presumption of innocence as they like to do. But we're going to get into it and take a look at some attachments because this was a monster filing over from the court docket. But let's get started diving right into this. Donald Trump's motion to compel discovery. This is a request to Chutkin to force Jack Smith to turn over materials. 37-pager, plus a ton of different attachments and exhibits. And we see this is out of Judge Chutkins courtroom in Washington, D.C. United States of America versus Donald Trump. Trump's defense tells us they've got a nice table of contents here, and it's going to be juicy. We want to see all this stuff, of course. CISA. ICA, DOJ, DHS, January six evidence. We want stuff from 2020 election reports, DNI, minority reviews. We got solar winds, sunburst, CISA, Trump's executive order. We, we got a lot of material. And your honor, we need you to compel the government to give it to us because they're not doing it. They write, all right, Chuckin, President Trump is here. Respectfully submitting this motion and the accompanying classified supplement, which we're not going to get to see, (coughs) seeking to compel Jack Smith's office to provide information and evidence that we discuss in this document. They say it's subject to the DOJ's obligation, Jack Smith, his rules under Brady, Giglio and the Jenks Act. And so we can batch this up into two main categories. Exculpatory information under Brady. Janks Act material, which would be the inculpatory information. So Brady is this idea. Hey, if the government has information that they know exonerates you, they got to tell you about it. So if they have a witness that says, no, Rob was in Hawaii when all that happened, when that dude fell off the bridge, he was in Hawaii, he had nothing to do with it. And that would be exculpatory material, right? They'd have to tell me that so that I could use that in my defense. The opposite of that is the the Janks material. It's stuff that if a government, you know, uh, officer, uh, police officer, FBI agent, If some expert witness comes in and they say, well, I know that Rob pushed that dude off the bridge because of some DNA evidence and this report from that camera, blah, blah. Okay. All of those materials, all those documents, all of their notes, all of the uh, police reports needs to be documented. And that's part of the material that they'll rely on for their testimony. And that also has to be disclosed. So Trump says, we want it all. And we need to know that we're going to get it. They say, Judge Chetkin. The indictment in this case reflects little more than partisan advocacy designed to sabotage President Trump's leading campaign for the 2024 presidential election. Consistent with the improper and unlawful goal from Jack Smith, the special counsel's office has chosen to rely on the views of witnesses who align with the Biden administration's political viewpoints and to treat those biased opinions as objective. Also saying that they're irrefutable truths, about the integrity of the 2020 election and the events of January 6th. They said that there was no outcome determined fraud and that Trump was lying about the outcome rather than saying, well, there's some room for disagreement. He might actually have a legitimate basis for saying that the election was rigged. As we know, we think that. Now, the problem with that approach is that President Trump and others, indeed hundreds of millions of voters like us, are not obligated to accept at face value the government's politically motivated narrative. Of course they came out and said, oh, it's a perfect election. Most safe and secure of all time. Because their guy won, obviously. Uh, No thanks. Okay, we got to see reality. We watched it happen in real time where you change the rules under the COVID pandemic rules where they waived signatures in various states, moved the deadlines, allowed mail-in ballots, allowed drop boxes, and then censored millions of Americans and hid the truth with the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up that was helped coordinated by the CIA, ex-CIA. It was not unreasonable at the time for us to believe that, we watched it, and certainly not criminal for President Trump to disagree with officials that are now favored by the prosecution to rely instead on independent judgment that the American people elected him to use while leading the country. We trusted Trump's judgment better than theirs. We're allowed to do that. But they said, no, that's crime. For purposes of this motion, we accept the prosecution's contention that whether President Trump, quote, genuinely believed that the election was stolen is a matter for trial, right? They're going to have to prove Trump's mindset on that, which is like why this case is so whacked. It's, they're going to, they're going to, no, you knew, you knew that you lost, you believed that you lost, and you still lied about it, anyways. Okay. Because if he genuinely believed that it was stolen, Well, then maybe there's no fraudulent intent. Maybe he didn't act corruptly. But they're saying he did, right? He sort of knew or should have known and was reckless and then wrecked America. It's a wild standard that they're going to have to prove here. But however, they say, we'll accept that. Sure. You want to go to trial? You want to prove that? Let's do it. However, what we cannot accept and what the court is obligated to prevent is this office's efforts to suppress and withhold from President Trump information that supports his defense... And his arguments about good faith and the absence of criminal intent. Yeah, we'll come and prove it. We'll come to trial and show you. He was relying on all sorts of materials. But we got to have the evidence to show you that at trial. You better give it to us. They say, likewise, the special counsel's office cannot contend that the that the president Trump is responsible for January 6th while suppressing public and private statements to the contrary by other prosecutors and officials during prior cases. Information related to the security measures that informed President Trump's remarks and the assessment of the situation and instances of undercovers and informants who infiltrated the crowd that day. We know there were many. In the Proud Boys trial, we knew that there were at least 50 of them that the the defense attorneys had identified. Eight of them that the government acknowledged and admitted. They say the DOJ office, they cannot blame President Trump for public discord and distrust of the 2020 elections while also refusing to turn over evidence that foreign actors stoked the very same flames that the DOJ identifies as inculpatory in the indictment saying that if somebody's fanning the flames and that is incriminating well then they have to also give us information about foreign actors who are fanning the flames like if Trump was fanning the flames and causing a crime by denying the the outcome well there's a ton of other evidence that other foreign actors were there doing the same thing now we have a causation problem so did trump cause that or did somebody else cause it well you got to give us information about that because it is the same conduct but no the doj they say jack smith in his office they cannot rely on selected guidance and judgments by officials that it favors from the intelligence community and law enforcement while ignoring political bias in those offices and their decision-making as well as cyber attacks and interference. Both actual and attempted that targeted critical infrastructure and election facilities before, during, and after the 2020 election. And finally, Jack Smith's office must disclose information that is discoverable under Supreme Court precedent, local rules and other authorities for the purposes of impeaching Jack Smith's witnesses and showing there's a lack of integrity in these shoddy investigations that led to this case in the first place. Trump says for all these reasons as explained in more detail, we require Chutkin's judicial intervention to ensure that Jack Smith is not permitted to continue to rely on these strategies and instead held to a constitutional, statutory, and ethical obligations that are intended to ensure the fairness of these proceedings. Now, we see some applicable law here. We'll fast forward through a lot of this, but they tell us, obviously, Brady, we're familiar with this. Brady says if there's information that's favorable to the accused, you got to disclose it. The term favorable, they wanted to define this. What does that mean? And you see a lot of legal rules here. So we're going to fast forward through this local rules. You say pursuant to the prosecution's r- r- obligations, local rule says that Brady obligation also applies. It's broad. It it applies whether the information itself would constitute admissible evidence. So you got to disclose a lot. And they're fast forwarding here. Also materiality. They say the the information that we're seeking is material. And these are the rules that apply as we go through the facts of this case. Now let's get started. Talking about the background, they tell us that Jack Smith has an untenable theory of his case. They tell us that a court must first start with the indictment. Start there. That's the charging document when determining what's material and what's not. But in this case, Jack Smith's indictment, it contains broad and baseless allegations that President Trump will disprove at trial, including claims related to the creation of, quote, an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger. Trump did that? Trump created an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger. Wow. He's the only one responsible for that in our entire government. Now, and efforts to, quote, erode public faith in the administration of the election. Democrats never did that. You don't have Hillary Clinton still complaining about her loss, which was embarrassing for her. To prop up the Biden administration's preferred political advocacy regarding the 2020 election, the indictment endorses the views of, quote, senior White House lawyers and, quote, some leaders of the DOJ and the intelligence community and the Department of Homeland Security and CISA. They say all of those people are more intelligent and more capable than Donald Trump. And of course, they're not elected president and nobody knows who these people are other than, you know, a bunch of obscure names and bureaucrats operating in the shadows. And we ask ourselves, do we trust all of them or do we trust the person that we've been hearing from, that we elected, that we actually put in there to battle a lot of these agencies, right, to go against the deep state? And that's our judgment. And that person is Trump. He happens to be the president. So the DOJ is substituting all of these different entities for Trump. Nobody has the power to have them do that. More recently, they say the special counsel's office asserted that the indictment, quote, contains clear allegations that President Trump, quote, directed and is, quote, responsible for the events at the Capitol on January 6th. It's a pretty broad claim. As we've noted, says Trump's defense, this claim is contradicted by President Trump's speech at the White House, Ellipse, that very day, during which he referenced supporters seeking to, quote, peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Legal, free speech, First Amendment. But the Jack Smith's new position is also contradicted by arguments from other prosecutors who have contended, for example, that Trump, quote, didn't take action, right? He sat around and he should have gone out there and flown his helicopter with Clavicle Girl into the Capitol building to stop this from happening. Significant and serious discovery obligations are flowing from the ill-advised decision of the special counsel's office to pursue a criminal case on broad allegations relating to the national atmosphere. Uh Uh-oh, Jack, you're getting told. You kind of goofed on this. Don't know who told you to do that. Probably some Democrats somewhere, part of this coordinated attack. But they brought broad allegations. They say the office's perceptions of, quote, public faith is what we're discussing now, and also subjective views of personnel at a host of federal agencies. We're we're now opening the door for all this stuff. Saying it's one thing to publicize a politically motivated narrative in a one-sided indictment, but it's quite another, indeed unlawful and unethical, to try to restrict discovery based on a biased view in an effort to gain a tactical, tactical advantage at trial. So if you're going to come at us as partisan prosecutors and hacks that's fine but at least give us the discovery can you at least let us like have the game ball for a minute so that we can even see what we're playing with do we can we even see the rules the evidence or no are you that cowardly we know the answer so they give us some relevant facts here here are some other things that might have influenced trump and some decision making that took place there and also This might be relevant for discovery. Maybe Trump wants to look into some of this stuff and present it at trial. Including foreign influence findings related to the 2016 election. That's versus Hillary. They tell us, your honor, here's why we need a motion to compel. In 2017, the National Intelligence Council issued an intelligence community assessment. Now, this is going to be in Exhibit A, and so we're not going to go through all of the exhibits, but we'll just reference them. The exhibits are long, and they are different reports, and so we'll take a quick look at them, but we're not going to go through all of them in detail. But they summarize what they are. They say a public version of the 2016 election ICA says that it is, quote, a declassified version of a highly classified assessment, which, quote, does not include... Full supporting information about the specific intelligence on key elements of the influence campaign. But one of the key judgments, Trump says we need to see more about this because I mean this was a problem in 2016, maybe it was a problem in 2020. One of the key judgments in the declassified version of the ICA report from 2016 was that Russia engaged in foreign influence operations related to 2016 that reflected, quote, a significant escalation that sought to undermine public faith in the democratic process. Wow. It's the Democrats own evidence, right? Kind of being used against them. Remember, they were crying foul. Trump never was legitimate. The Russians did it. Oh, and then they turned around four years later and said it was the most safe and secure election of all time. They say no. The declassified version also described efforts by RT America TV, a Kremlin finance channel operated from within the United States to execute a Kremlin-directed campaign to undermine faith in the U.S. government and to fuel political protests. And so that came out, we see, after 2016, January 2017. Then, in 2018, Trump issued an executive order called 13848. This was titled, Imposing Certain Sanctions in the Event of Foreign Interference in a U.S. Election. Trump relied on the 2016 report that came out in 2017, and President Trump issued an order. He declared the following The ability of persons located in or in outside the United States to interfere or undermine our elections, including through unauthorized accessing of campaign or election infrastructure or distribution of propaganda, constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to the United States. Trump also expressed concern, right, about the proliferation of digital devices and internet-based communications that created significant vulnerabilities and magnified the scope of the threat. They defined the term foreign interference broadly and and expanded it big, uh, massively. Here, another executive, uh, another portion of the executive order instructed the DNI, director of national intelligence, to coordinate the preparation of an assessment within 45 days of the 2020 election of any information indicating that a foreign government or any person acting on behalf of a foreign government acted to interfere. That assessment was issued pursuant to the instruction that's referred below. The order also instructed the Attorney General and Homeland within 45 days to prepare the report. The report that was issued pursuant to this instruction is discussed below. We see here, less than 2 weeks after the 2020 election, CISA joined a public statement about the election security. We know that in the statement claimed falsely They said, quote, there was no evidence any voting system has been compromised. And CISA came out under Chris Krebs, declared the 2020 election the most secure in American history. Propaganda came out hard. We obviously all saw the different uh, saw, saw differently. On November 17th, President Trump fired CISA's director. That was Christopher Krebs. In a public statement, Trump explained that he terminated the director because the statement was, quote, highly inaccurate. We know that's true. Now, the Solar Winds Sunburst attack. Now, one of the reasons why Christopher Krebs was fired, and they all cried foul about that. Trump's games he's he's a tyrant. He's firing the people who were telling him no. Well, here's some evidence about why Chris Krebs was so wrong and why he's also a political hack. The Solar Winds sunburst attack, they say one of the reasons why CISA was inaccurate was that between January 2019 and at least December of 2020, parties reportedly linked to Russia perpetrated what the SEC recently described as one of the worst cybersecurity incidents in history. Huh. In connection with what is now known as the sunburst attack, the threat actors inserted malicious code into three software bids builds for SolarWinds Orion products. SolarWinds delivered these compromised products to 18,000 customers around the globe. Oops. The malicious code provided threat actors with the ability to access systems of the compromised customers and provided certain other conditions that became known as the sunburst attack. Now, during the attack, threat actors conducted reconnaissance, exfiltration, data collection, identified product and network vulnerabilities, harvested credentials of SolarWind employees and customers, and planned additional attacks against SolarWind products that would be deployed during later stages of the campaign. Now, the malicious code provided the threat actors a backdoor into network environments of SolarWinds customers who downloaded and installed infected versions of the software that were then connected to the internet. Boom. By May 2020, at least one government agency had identified evidence related to the sunburst attack using SolarWinds. In July 2020, elections right around the corner, SolarWinds employee expressed concern that the attack was looking closely at Orion for methods to utilize it in larger attacks. Now. Trump's defense continues, they say, your honor, in this motion to compel the poor state of SolarWinds and their cybersecurity posture seemed to be a joke for the employees in its info security group, at least prior to the hack being revealed. In November of 2020, around the time of the election, a SolarWinds employee noted in an email that the company's products are riddled and obviously have been for years. According to the SEC, once SolarWinds learned of the sunburst attack, it did not fully disclose its known impact. Hmm. On December 13th, CISA issued an emergency directed, directive titled SolarWinds Orion Code Compromise after the election. The directive noted that SolarWinds Orion products are currently be, being exploited by malicious actors who posed an unacceptable risk to federal civilian executive branch agencies and requires emergency action. Oh, that's interesting. About a month after the election, and they make it known, CISA made those findings based upon other things, high potential for a compromise of agency information systems and a grave impact of a successful compromise. Hmm. As a result, CISA directed the affected agencies to immediately disconnect or power down SolarWinds Orion products. The next day, the New York Times reported that the attack, here it is, had impacted the DOJ, the Department of Justice the Department of Homeland Security, the State Department, the Treasury Department, the Commerce Department, the NSA, the National Security Agency, parts of the Pentagon and many others. And they're all much smarter than us. They're supposed to protect about us against this stuff. What are they there for? In December 2020 and January 2021... CISA then issued joint statements about the attack with the FBI, the NSA, the director of national intelligence, all got nabbed on January six, two 2021. We know that date. CISA determined that this threat poses a grave risk to the federal government, state, local, tribal and territorial governments, as well as critical infrastructure entities and other private sector organizations. Sounds a lot more serious than the four hour protest that took place at the Capitol. But you don't hear much about that, right? Don't hear where that uh, investigation went. All we know is they're still rounding up people who are waddling around through the through the Capitol building. Following the termination of CISA, the director there, he formed a consultancy that was retained by Solar Winds in 2021. So Chris Krebs, that that guy who you know, in my opinion, lied to all to all of us as a political hack to try to cover up a rigged election. He then went to work for the same company that got obliterated by the hack, right? I don't know what he's doing over there, but they continue. Trump is saying, your honor, the classified briefing to co-conspirator number four by the director of national intelligence, we need to know more about this. And they tell us, in late 2020 and early 2021, there were disagreements within the intelligence community about the scope and the content of the 2020 election report. During that process on January 1st, 2021, the acting attorney general asked the DNI to provide a classified briefing to the individual referred to in the indictment as, quote, co-conspirator four. Who could that be? On the same day, the DNI's chief of staff made a classified draft of the 2020 election report available to co-conspirator four. And so co-conspirator four could review the document and then speak to the DNI the following day. And this is the election report after the election took place. On January 2nd, the DNI used secure facilities to provide a classified briefing to co-conspirator four via telephone. Is this line secure? It is. Go. The indictment alleges that on the day after that briefing, co-conspirator four transmitted, quote, an edited version of his draft letter, which included a change From its previous claim that the DOJ had, quote, concerns to a stronger assertion, saying as of today, there is evidence of significant irregularities that may have impacted the outcome in multiple states. (gasps) Wow. So they're trying to figure out the language on this thing. And it even went from a may. We got concerns to a may have impacted the outcome. And that's, and that's not what Jake Tapper told us, man. He said every night, there's no evidence of widespread. It, it, it went through multiple permutations. Hey, there's no fraud. I mean, wait, there is fraud. There's no uh, widespread fraud. Uh, actually, there's a lot of widespread fraud. Well, there's no outcome that the widespread fraud changed the outcome of the election. You say, well, uh, there is actually a lot of that too. And we've got a lot of evidence of that. What state do you want? Well, There's no judge that found that there was outcome determinative fraud in a court of law. And you know, well, that's true. Yeah, that is true. And the reason for that is because we've got a lot of election deadlines and they're not going to turn the outcome of the election within 60 days without a trial. Right. It's just how the election rules are structured. And of course, the left knows that. So. What we see when they actually go through the court legal proceeding, we see that Amy Totenberg from Georgia, a federal judge, released a decision saying that in 2018, we're now five years later, it took five years to litigate a 2018 election case. So you don't have 90 days to do it. It takes years. But they knew that. They would already install Joe Biden by the time that the outcome of 2020 is in question. Hopefully they get him through a second term. But we continue. Trump's attorney's right. They say the ombudsman findings regarding the biased intelligence report. They tell us that the uh, intelligence community analyst, his analytic ombudsman, Dr. Barry Zwaloff, on January 6th, Barry submitted a letter to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence in which he responded in the affirmative to a question from the committee about whether the ODNI officials had politicized or attempted to politicize intelligence, whether they exercised or attempted to exercise undue influence on the analysis, production, or the dissemination of the intelligence reports. Was there a politicization of this? Dr. Zuloff, he stated that, quote, the intelligence community recognizes where we have not met our responsibilities for objective intelligence all over the place. And we actually have seen even Michael Morell Ex CIA say that he doesn't even care that he helped cover up the Hunter Biden laptop by signing the letter with the 50 other so-called intelligence idiots. They, he said, oh, I actually don't like Trump. That's why I did it, and I don't think it was illegal because we we crafted it to be not illegal. So here is what he says: Yeah, we understand we've not met our objective responsibilities. Tells us China analysts appeared hesitant. To assess China actions as undue influence or interference. Oh, because it's China. These analysts appeared reluctant to have their analysis on China brought forward because they tended to disagree with the administration's policies. So, nope, we sorry, we're not gonna tell Trump what he needs to know about China because we don't like his policies. So we'll just leave that out. Which is in direct violation of your sworn duty. Now, these foundational analytic shortcomings contributed to instances of, and led to other instances of, at least the perceived politicization of intelligence, needlessly long review times. Well, we'll get that to you. We're still analyzing that, Mr. President. We'll have that for you soon. And differences between analytic conclusions in public statements and the one on the one hand, and established positions on the other. They tell us that Ratcliffe, at the time Trump's director of national intelligence, They say, quote, he just disagreed with the established analytic line on China, insisting we are missing China's influence in the U.S. and the Chinese actions are intended to affect the election. China is intending to affect the election. Wrote that in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. Now, ombudsmen from the CIA, from the NSA, from the director of national intelligence, they report the widely shared perspective among the intelligence community analysts that analysis on foreign election interference was delayed, it was distorted, or it was obstructed out of concern over policymaker reactions or for political reasons. Don't you dare say that somebody helped Trump get booted out of here so that we could install Joe Biden and his crackhead son who had business deals with the Chinese through CEFC and others. Now, the minority review is the next section in the election report. They tell us that consistent with Dr. Zuloff's concerns about the China-related reporting, the unclassified version of the election report from 2020, it contains a minority view that's attributed to the national intelligence officer for cyber. And that view, it says that some of Beijing's influence efforts were intended to at least indirectly affect U.S. candidates, political processes, and voter preferences, the minority view gave more weight to indications that Beijing preferred former President Trump's defeat. You're kidding. They don't want Trump to win? Wow. And it's strange that they have TikTok where they can just funnel propaganda into the phase of our young people indefinitely, hours on end, hours on end. Your abortion rights are going away. Go vote Democrat. You don't need to work. They tell us the DNI's concerns regarding the 2020 election On January 7th, the day after January 6th, when the operation was completed, the DNI submitted a letter to Congress about the election. The letter stated, I do not believe the majority view expressed by the intelligence community accurately and fully reflects the scope of China's influence in 2020. Similar actions by Russia and China are assessed and communicated to policymakers differently, potentially leading to the false impression that Russia sought to influence the election, but China did not. Now, the DNI joined the minority view In 2020 election report says, I'm adding my voice to the support of the minority view. This is Ratcliffe. Based on all the available sources of intelligence with definitions consistently applied and reached independent of political considerations or undue pressure that the PRC China sought to influence 2020. But nobody cares about that, right? They care about the Russians influencing 2016 so-called because it put Trump in. But if it put by if China puts Biden in, it's like, well, the DNI also argued that the public description of the minority view gives the false impression that China was not responsible, but we know that they were trying. To, uh, here's the next section. In February, 2021, the 2020 election report from DOJ and DHS was submitted, Justice Department and Homeland. They sent a report over to Congress as a classified joint report by the DOJ. The report includes the FBI, DHS, and also includes CISA, the, you know, the, the three horsemen. The election report addressed the impact of activities by foreign governments and their agents that targeted the election. And now a declassified overview of the report was released to the public. The summary disclaimed evidence of foreign activities. No foreign activities altered any technical aspect of the voting process or otherwise compromised the integrity of the voter registration information or any ballots cast during 2020. However, the summary acknowledged that broad Russian and Iranian campaigns targeting multiple critical infrastructure sectors did compromise the security of several networks that managed some election functions. Huh. And there are also Iranian claims they sought to undermine the public confidence in the U.S. election infrastructure as well. And so you see what they're doing now is they're just going through all the various government reports and you're saying, you're you're telling us that Trump was lying about election problems? Here's another report. Here's another report. Here's another report from your own government saying that there was all sorts of interference attempts and so on. And they're going to get us now to the J6 report. In fact, here, December 22nd was when Cheney and Kinzinger released their fake report in an appendix titled Malign Foreign Influence. The J6 committee further politicized the findings of the election report by cherry picking excerpts from the document by ignoring any contrary evidence to the role of foreign influence in 2020. Now, at the conclusion, the J6 committee exaggerated the conclusion of the election report by claiming That the intelligence community found no factual basis for any allegation of technical interference in 2020. The J6 committee referred to this as definitive without addressing, for example, the minority view, which was in there. And they said that there was bias in the report, right? So the minority view says this report is biased. Liz Cheney says, no, it's not. It's perfect. It gives us exactly what we need. Nevertheless, several concessions in the J-6 report suggest that the committee collected exculpatory information from the intelligence community that supports Trump's defense. And we want it. For example, the January 6th committee, their own report tells us this. 2020 elections saw an increase, huh, in a number of foreign state and non-state entities that attempted to influence the U.S. electorate. That doesn't sound like the most uh, safe and secure election ever. The committee also acknowledged that Russia, China, Iran, that they engage to varying degrees in, in disguised efforts to influence public opinion. And U.S. elections offer special opportunities. Huh? Russia and China will, they say in the committee report, for the foreseeable future, continue to press their disinformation campaigns, attempting to undermine the U.S. public confidence in their government and society. Well, our own government's doing that for him, but okay. Russia maligned disinformation also. They're both strategic in scope and they're opportunistic in claim. So the Russians are involved. The Russians also aim to corrode the power and the appeal of the democratic processes. And they want to weaken America. And foreign state adversaries also generally disguise their efforts to influence U.S. audiences, including when they want to influence voters' voices in a run up to an election. And so they say, look, judge, a lot of facts here. Okay. A lot of problems with the election. You can even see it in the government's own reports. Just pick one, any one of these up. Trump was relying on those other than the January 6th report and all these things. But right, that that was information that was ki- being kicked around. And Trump was talking about in the aftermath before these reports were being written. So in other words, the reports are almost supporting him. So they tell us some procedural history. And normally we skip this section, but this is important because this is a motion to compel. And this is illustrating that Trump has already made a number of requests from the government. All right, you guys have all the cards, okay? The government is Goliath. They have everything. They have trillions of dollars that they've accumulated building up their DOJ and in investigatory assets with the FBI and DHS. And, you know, they're, they're all ingrained in the courts and in all the, I mean, it's just like, it's a monstrous thing. So they have everything. They hold hold all the cards. The defense often has very little. So the defense makes some nice requests. They say, your honor, Chutkin, look what we've done here. We've tried. President Trump served a classified discovery letter on Jack Smith's office in October, October 15th, which is, is an exhibit We also sent in three unclassified letters, October 4th, October 23rd, and November 15th. We're trying to get communication with them. But Jack Smith responded in writing on October 24th, November 3rd. We've attempted to resolve these issues and these disputes to no avail. Trying to get this material, but just can't. Now, by necessity, Trump's defense says, we're gonna continue to make requests of Jack Smith's office, and we're going to continue to file motions to compel if necessary. They say Trump has a right to discovery. He's got a right to a fair trial. And if they continue to delay, we're going to be continuing to fight back. They tell us here is in the discussion section, now that we've got the facts, now that we know what the law says, now that we know what the procedural history is, they say here, we note at the outset, Your Honor, that the government's response to this motion and its approach to discovery in general cannot proceed on the basis of beliefs or assumptions that Trump's defenses lack merit. Okay, you're gonna just say that they lack merit, but we have a right to investigate them to make that determination on our own. They say here, the court should compel Jack Smith's office to produce this information that support Trump's defense so that he can investigate them, including providing us, Brady material, Giglio material, information about foreign influence, and more so that we can show that there is a lack of integrity in these shoddy investigations in this case. They say the January 6th protests are irrelevant to this case. And if necessary, if we have to talk about January 6th, they're going to be the subject of a Trump defense motion in limine. Now, a motion in limine is a preliminary motion that you usually bring right before trial and it is to preclude evidence in this case. They'll say it's irrelevant. It's not even something we should be talking about here and it should go away. Judge Chuckin will deny that, of course, and this case will largely be about January 6th, but you get the point. They say, nonetheless, because special counsel's office has recently suggested that it will attempt to introduce evidence related to the protests, and this is because Trump has not been charged with this crime, right? The office if 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 Jack Smith is going to bring in evidence of January 6th, well, they got to give us all the materials that are inconsistent with their new theory. They said that Trump directed and is responsible for the events at the Capitol. Well, great. Then we get material that is about January 6th and the Capitol. We don't think that you should be talking about January 6th and the Capitol since you didn't charge him with anything for that, but we'll get, we'll go there. This includes materials suggesting that, quote, non-parties directed the events or are responsible for it in part or in full. They say for violence that Trump sought to prevent. So we need information about it. President Trump is entitled to everything in subsection A, inconsistent assertions by government actors. They tell us Trump is entitled to all the documents, including the private communications, where prosecutors or law enforcement or other officials made statements that are inconsistent with the prosecution's position about January 6 criminal responsibility. These documents are material under the rules. They might be exculpatory under Brady. For example, we have other situations where this material has been admitted. The court doesn't need to resolve admissibility, but we just need to get the materials. Okay. So in other words, we don't care your honor. If this can actually come into court at trial, That's not the standard. The standard is, does Jack Smith have to give it to us so that we can make a review of it and then make the determination about whether we can try to get it into court or not? They say there's ample reason to believe that these materials exist. Prosecutors from the DOJ repeatedly took positions in public that are inconsistent with Jack Smith's new contention. They say this weekend, to avoid the obvious discovery implications, the prosecution sought to revise the U.S attorney's position. Prior to that, let's back up a bit. They say here, nor that can there be any reasonable claim Well they, okay, so Jack Smith came out and made a statement. They said, "The department's position in other January 6 cases that Trump's actions did not absolve any individual rioter of responsibility for that rioter's actions, even if the rioter took them at the defendant's direction is no way inconsistent with the indictment here." All right. So what we're talking about is we've got these competing cases. Obviously, we've got Trump's prosecution taking place in D.C., but there were also a bunch of other January Six cases. Those people were also being prosecuted. When the J6ers were being prosecuted, they said, Trump made me do it. And the DOJ came back and said, no, no, he didn't. Trump didn't make you do anything. You did it yourself. And you're responsible. And so then they punished them. And now they're going to Trump and they're saying, Trump, you made them do it. And they said, but you said that he didn't make them do it when they were being prosecuted for doing it. So what is it? They said, this was a blatant mischaracterization of the positions the government took in prior cases. Like the office's crabbed view of the prosecution team calls for heightened skepticism in this commitment to fairness. It's strange credulity to suggest that Jack Smith's current position regarding responsibility for J six is consistent with the prior contention that they were there to fight to stop the result with or without somebody like Trump calling them into action. Okay, they used that in their closing arguments in the Stuart Rhodes case. They said the the Oath Keepers were going to go attack the Capitol regardless. So the prosecution must then produce all the statements. So if you've got uh, in, you've got inconsistent positions here, if you're saying that those people. Did it on their own. You can't turn around and say Trump made them do it. They're also making requests for security footage from the Capitol. They say Trump is entitled to all information from security at the Capitol, including documents and communications regarding requests for security and the timing of the National Guard's deployment on that day. This information is material to Trump. And it's favorable to Trump because it suggests that federal and local officials believed that adequate measures were in place to facilitate a lawful and peaceful protest at the Capitol, including at the Ellipse, and two, the delayed arrival of the National Guard contributed to the violence that Trump sought to prevent. For example, Trump's defense continues. In this motion to compel, they say, according to the DOD, Inspector General, There were a number of meetings from Saturday, January 2nd through Monday, January 4th within the DOD and the DOJ and the DHS and the DOI about security at the Capitol. Guess who was there? According to General Mark Milley, Trump directed the acting secretary of defense during one of those meetings to ensure sufficient National Guard or soldiers would be there to make sure it was a safe event. The acting secretary responded, we've got a plan, we've got it covered. Why would an insurrectionist make a statement like that? Strange. Now, President Trump is entitled to not only information about events and communications to which he participated, but also interactions in which he was not directly involved. And so he is entitled to all of those materials. They also, and this is a juicy section, want information about the presence of government agents at the Capitol. We want this one too. They say President Trump is entitled to all information about undercover agents and individuals acting at the direction of official authorities at the Capitol. They pull this example from another case saying that an undercover, potential undercover actor, assuming there were any, it could be exculpatory evidence and the government must disclose that under Brady. They say in cases like Zinc, courts have required a direct connection between informants and the decisions of people who were charged in connection with their physical presence on the grounds. But here, President Trump is not seeking to establish that he was induced to engage in the conduct. Rather, in this case, information about individuals who were present in an official capacity is favorable to Trump because it suggests that there were adequate controls in place and that the violence at issue here resulted from a failure of these controls and or failed sting operations rather than any directions from President Trump. So the officials in the crowd should have secured the, a building. That's why they're there to stop all of this. Not there to help Trump insurrect this. They're actually there to prevent it. Now it strains credibility to assert that Trump is not entitled to the production of this information. And putting aside for now, whether the information is even admissible, but it certainly aids Trump in the preparation of his defense. They also want the full, complete, and classified version of the election ICA and all the source materials. We know that there's been a public release version, which is just a report, but they want the specific information about measures that help to oversee and mitigate cybersecurity threats. They say, Chutkin, these materials are discoverable because information relating to a significant escalation of foreign influence in 2016 motivated Trump to issue Executive Order 13848 and to be skeptical of these claims. Now, this evidence rebuts Jack Smith's claim that Trump's actions were motivated by a desire to maintain office shows the opposite. It, does, it shows there is no specific intent. It shows there is no unlawful purpose at all. Here, where moreover, whereas Jack Smith and his office, where they falsely alleged that Trump eroded faith in public elections, the election report from 2016 uses very similar language. They said that foreign efforts were in place to undermine public faith in the democratic process. The office has argued elsewhere that Trump had access to four more, far more information than others in the country. Trump knew more than everybody because he's the president. Now, they say Jack Smith may be correct, but it cannot selectively present intelligence information that supports its narrative while suppressing intelligence that supports Trump. Thus, Trump is entitled to detailed information from the conclusions of the election report from 2016, including specific intelligence on key elements of the influence campaign because Trump knew it. Trump knew what was there and we didn't know it. So we wouldn't be able to use it because, but because Trump had it at the time that he was the president, he should have access to it again. Now, in order to demonstrate to the jury that he did not create or cause the environment, the prosecution seeks to blame him for, for similar reasons. And because president Trump is entitled to evidence demonstrating his concerns were genuine the government must disclose the evidence in this case they continue we're saying we're much more president trump is also entitled to information from foreign influence efforts that targeted 2020 including foreign influence related to the january 6 events whether or not he was briefed contemporaneously regarding these issues they tell us that as with the 2016 ica the 2016 report Efforts by foreign actors to influence public opinion and perceptions is discoverable in light of the prosecution's allegations about President Trump. Similar to the other findings, even the unclassified version of the report supports these defenses. For example, Russia had conducted influence operations. Iran carried out multiple covert influence campaigns and a range of foreign actors, including Lebanese, Hezbollah, Cuba, and Venezuela also took steps to influence the election. The J6 committee made similar intelligence reports and findings and the government has not produced those yet, including saying that there was an increase in foreign attempts to interfere in the election. The J6 committee also warned that foreign state adversaries of the United States generally disguise their efforts to influence U.S. audiences, and it's hard to see those things. So these are examples of public summaries of these discoverable reports, and the prosecution, Chutkin, must collect and produce all of this info. Trump's also entitled to the complete versions of the official statements here. They're also entitled to the CISA statement saying that the special counsel's office has adopted inaccurate claims from CISA, saying 2020 was not the most secure in American history, most secure election. We know that there was a sunburst attack. And Trump is going to argue at trial that the 2020 CISA statement was part of a partisan effort to provide false assurances to the public that outpaced the government's understanding of the situation. Yeah, it was a cover story. And Krebs did it. And the media ran with it. Here, all information that undercuts the categorical claims in 2020, including drafts that contain the narrower language, is favorable to Trump and he deserves that material. They'd say that the special counsel also endorsed the findings from the 2020 report. And so they've got to produce information about that report, including political bias. They also want the complete report from 2020 election report from the DOJ and Homeland saying President Trump was not obligated to credit these assessments when he was making his decisions, and he doesn't need to do that at trial. So we must be permitted to draw attention to good-faith, non-criminal disagreements about the conclusions, and Trump requires access to these materials. Now, evidence related to infrastructure compromises must also be disclosed, saying that special counsel must produce details about the evolving assessment of the sunburst attack. And it's been apparently attributed to Russian intelligence agencies. And the special counsel's office should be required to produce information about this material to Trump. Anticipated testimony from the director of national intelligence is also central to the prosecution's case, saying that co-conspirator four had no additional evidence of election fraud. But during an interview by Jack Smith's office about grand jury testimony, The DNI indicated that he had prepared reviewing materials, prepared by reviewing materials, by his former employer, the ODNI. And we need to see information about that. We also want information about Mike Pence's handling of materials and evidence of bias within the DOJ, saying the prosecution's Brady obligation also includes material that might be used to attack the government. In order to stop Trump from being robbed of the opportunity to attack the government's investigation, the government or the court should compel Jack Smith's office to disclose the following information and other instances as well. This is a good section. We want to know if Jack Smith coordinated with the Biden administration. Any communications about these investigations by members or relatives or associates of the Biden administration are discoverable because they support Trump's defense of a politically motivated investigation saying that a common trial tactic is being biased in the decision-making portion of the case where our charge is going to come or not. They also say that Trump is entitled to any information from the FISA court and other investigative misconduct is discoverable. If there's any information about conflicting views at the DOJ, any information about political bias or motivation related to Trump investigations, any documents from members of Jack Smith's team to target Trump, documents from different divisions about inquiries into postal service inspections, and so on. They say the DOJ is represented that they're following the Justice Department manual. And so if they're following the manual, they've got to disclose this stuff. So therefore, your honor, Judge Chutkin, President Trump now, for the foregoing reasons, respectfully submits that the court should compel Jack Smith, the DOJ, and all the deranged thug prosecutors over there to disclose the above described documents and information, or if you're not going to do that, hold a hearing classified as necessary to address any of these disputed issues. So very solid, very strong motion to compel My guess is Chutkin denies it because she doesn't want Trump to get access to materials. But this is the docket and the additional list of exhibits that you can see exist here. This is the motion to compel. And as we read through the motion, they referenced all of those various exhibits. And so let me just give you a quick show on what some of these look like. Exhibit A is this background. This is the report. Assessing Russian activities and intentions in recent U.S. elections, the analytic process and the incident attribution. Right. So this is one report. And they're saying, uh, your honor, this is the ICA, the the intelligence community assessment. This is what is showing us about Russian interference in elections. And so if Trump talks about interference and rigged elections, he's using government sources to do it. This is the 2016 report. And of course, there were more exhibits there. So we know that this is landing on Judge Chutkin's desk. We'll see what Jack Smith's response is, but we know they don't care much about giving the defense evidence or discovery. And that's because they're prosecutors. And as with most prosecutors, not all of them, there are some decent ones out there. They often don't think about things like the presumption of innocence. In fact, here is one former prosecutor called Chris Christie, who is saying that Trump is already guilty. It's already a foregone conclusion. Presumption of innocence is meaningless. Evidence has already been done. We should probably convict him and maybe even give him the death penalty now because Trump is in the way of total control, either by the Republican Party or by the left. Here's Chris.
1: Sorry. Mitt Romney said, I'll I'll vote a Democrat. Be better. I'll vote for a Democrat if it's Donald Trump. Would you vote for, for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump? I couldn't vote for Joe Biden. Um, I just couldn't, because uh, I just don't think when you watch him day to day. Is Mrs. Christie going to be on your ballot? Uh, Mrs. Christie could be on my ballot. <laughs> she would be a better choice for sure. Um, and, and Joe Biden just is. Too, but you wouldn't, you, you won't support Trump. No. No, no matter no, look, what. look, here's the thing. I can't support a convicted felon. Well, you wouldn't former, support him even if he is a I'm a former prosecutor. prosecutor. You wouldn't even if he is a convicted But the, here's the thing, Joe, like it's now this has become a certainty in my view with Meadows uh, testimony, and so now they're asking someone like me, who's a former prosecutor, to support a convicted felon for president. He's think not been about convicted this. of anything. He can't even vote for himself. If he is convicted in April or May, which I expect he will be, he will not be able to vote for himself in November. That's who we're going to put on the ballot. What do you think the Democrats are going to talk about from that day to November? All they're going to talk about are the crimes he committed. To try to overturn the election and they just submitted a brief his lawyers saying he never took an oath to support the constitution well hell man i was there i heard him say preserve protect and defend the constitution of the united states i heard him say it they're even denying that now so if you dishonest. think that's not going to be the main thrust of the democrats campaign if he's the nominee you're living in fantasy land
0: chris so- Pretty typical of uh, Chris Christie and also, you know, prosecutors like him to say Trump has already been convicted when he hasn't to be manipulating the facts of the case to say that Mark Meadows is going to be testifying against him. That's not confirmed at all. Mark Meadows has not his, his lawyers have actually rebutted that. And you can you can also, by the way, have two things be true. Mark Meadows could have gone and testified to Jack Smith and not implicated Donald Trump because there was no crime. So two things can be true. Just because Mark Meadows went and talked with Jack Smith doesn't mean anything at all. Now, it could, but it doesn't now. And so he knows that, and he's being dishonest about it. And he's also talking about Trump's people saying he didn't swear an oath to office. Like, what are you talking about, Chris? He took the presidential oath. They were talking about the civil servant oath, which is applicable to everybody else except the president. And it was for the purposes of the 14th Amendment and removal. So dishonest as can be, and you know, pretty typical, not a big surprise. But my friends, that is the motion to compel. Jack Smith will respond to this. Donald Trump will reply to that for the final sandwich. Then it will be off to Judge Chutkin for a ruling. And of course, we're going to be here continuing to cover not only this case, but all of the other Trump trials. And we would love it if you subscribe and hit that follow button, hit that like button and joined us as these Uh, cases continue to escalate because we're just warming up. We've got trial scheduled for March of next year, and it's going to be a doozy. We'll look forward to having you join us and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right. Now we're not done yet. We got two more segments to get into and we're sticking with the January 6th case here because this one is also interesting. It's about the scope of Jack Smith's team. Who is on Jack Smith's team? Who is really prosecuting Trump? And how far is this government effort going? Where does it extend? Trump files a new motion to define Jack Smith's team and to really understand what he can do in terms of requesting information and from whom. What government agencies are a part of this? Because the government is attempting to keep this very small and narrow. They don't want Donald Trump going in and getting records from you know, the CIA, They don't want to say that people who were openly negative to Trump and prosecuting him, pseudo-prosecution, in the months before Jack Smith got appointed, they don't want to consider those people to be a part of the team. Jack Smith is supposed to be a special counsel. This is supposed to be a fair and independent investigation. If he brings in a bunch of people who were massively anti-Trump before his office was even constituted, is this really a fair and independent investigation? Answer no. But Trump is submitting two different motions. We're going to go through two documents today, both a part of the same motion. The first is permission for leave to file, the more substantive motion, which is a request to define the scope of Jack Smith's team. And here is what it looks like from Trump's defense the four page request is motion for leave for permission to file an unredacted motion and other exhibits under seal. Saying, Your Honor, Judge Chutkin, D.C. court, says President Trump, through his lawyer, now moves pursuant to your other protective order, saying we can't just file whatever we want. We want to file an unredacted copy of this enclosed motion. Right? We're going to see some serious redactions on this filing, which is the original filing, the redacted version that hit the docket. They say, we want to file this under seal because there are some sensitive materials that you said that we can't talk about. Now, Trump objects to any of the proceedings in this case being conducted under seal. The materials are submitted should be available to the public. They say, we're sorry, we have to redact this, but the protective order requires it as designated from the special counsel. They say that this being kept from the public's eye is wrong. They want us to see all of the rest of the materials. But Jack Smith doesn't want us to, and Judge Chutkin doesn't want us to. So Trump also seeks the permission to file on the public docket a redacted version of the motion also included that does not disclose sensitive materials to the public. They say that we're asking Chutkin to enter an order making plain, very clearly, the scope of Jack Smith's team and ordering Jack Smith to identify and produce discovery to which Trump is entitled. Our motion is citing different portions of this case, including that Jack Smith has been designated, uh, some materials have been designated sensitive. And because some of this has been designated sensitive, we're filing this. And then we know the court has power to do this. And so give us permission to file unredacted versions of this motion in the future. So here is the actual substantive portion of this. This is Trump's motion for an order ...regarding the scope of the prosecution team. Now it is redacted, and so we're going to go through the table of contents. We're going to skip the table of contents. We're going to hit the introduction of this motion. But we got to take a quick pause and say thank you to our friends. And now, let's hit the introduction. Back on the motion from Trump's defense to define the scope of Jack Smith's team. Saying, Your Honor, Judge Chutkin, President Trump respectfully submits this motion and the accompanying classified supplement for an order requiring Jack Smith's office to comply with its discovery obligations with respect to all evidence that is a part of this case. They say Jack Smith and his office, they hope to rush this case to trial. We know why. It's part of a politically motivated strategy to undermine the Biden administration's main leading component in the 2024 election. And in doing so, Jack Smith has ignored its fundamental discovery obligations and the court's August order to produce all the exculpatory evidence to the defendant under the rules, including documents that are essential to Trump's case and his opportunity to defend against the lies in the indictment. Now, while it is true, says Trump's defense, that the prosecution has produced a significant volume of material, I think like 13 million pages or something, it has intentionally and unlawfully declined to search for other exculpatory documents that are in its actual or constructive possession, including materials held by personnel or entities that have participated in or assisted with the investigations related to the 2020 election and January 6. Now, remember, you know, in any criminal case, as I mentioned, the government has all of the evidence and all of the cards, but in most criminal cases, you know, it's kind of a small scope. You're just dealing with the police department that did the investigation. Maybe you go to the crime lab, maybe they send it from a local police department to a state crime lab and you got two entities you're dealing with. Maybe you got an MVD in there if it's a DUI, maybe you got a licensing board in there. Right? So, you, so you got a couple different entities. But this is like the federal government. Okay, Trump was the president. So basically everything is fair game, right? Anything that is related to the executive branch, anything that is related to the investigation, it's like all of it. And so Trump wants to know, well, is there any exculpatory material anywhere? Like I know the DOJ, you're going to say you gave us what you have, but we don't trust you to go look around in all the nooks and crannies of the federal bureaucracy. And you need to do that in order for us to do our job. Now, examples of this of this unethical strategy are myriad, many. For instance, President Trump has identified instances of prosecutors taking positions that are wholly inconsistent with Jack Smith's office. In response, Jack Smith has incredibly claimed that its discovery obligations don't reach the DOJ. We don't have to give you anything from our Department of Justice, are you crazy? They say that, you, that these components worked on the cases. Now, despite relying on information, And evidence from agencies like DHS, the Defense Department, the CIA, the Postal Inspection Service, the Office of the DNI, Director of National Intelligence. All these people were involved in it. But the prosecution refuses to acknowledge any obligation to review or produce material from those entities. Jack Smith has already collaborated with those entities in its case but we don't have to give you materials from them. You say, yes, you do. Likewise, notwithstanding close coordination with the January 6th committee, dating back to at least 2021, the office's production of unclassified material from the committee, the office, Jack Smith, has failed to search for or produce exculpatory materials from Liz Cheney's classified materials. Now, courts in this district and elsewhere have repeatedly rejected the types of limitations and the restrictions that Jack Smith's office has sought to put on its discovery obligations. And through its mo- this motion, we seek relief from this unconstitutionality. You're depriving Trump of his right to prepare for his defense and risk compromising the fairness of the trial. Now, we know the local rules and the applicable law. Local rules say you got to give us this material and now they're asking about the scope of the team. They say for purposes of discovery, the prosecution's possession or control extends not just to their own file, but also any evidence known to any others acting on the government's half behalf on this case, including the police. All right, so Jack Smith is going to say, look, yeah, I, I, I only have one Manila file folder. I mean, it's not true. He's got 13 million pages. But in, you know, in theory, this is it. This is all, this is only the 13 million pages that you need. We say, well, we don't, we need a lot more than that. Yeah, I got no obligation to go outside here and fill my file. I don't need it. Now, they say the scope of the prosecution's team is, is generally resolved on a case-by-case basis. And so here, the government has an affirmative duty to search. So Jack Smith, right, if, if he says, I'm only limited by the FBI, for example. Okay, but you have an obligation to step outside of the FBI and go search other areas. You have an affirmative duty to go find this stuff. Why? Because the defense can't find it, right? The the, the defense can't go knock on the door for the CIA and say, hi, do you have any exculpatory material in there for Trump? Obviously not. They say government prosecutors have to seek all exculpatory material from their files. Justice Department manual says it as well. And so they're giving us the rules that apply and we'll fast forward through those. We see. They give us more background. They say Trump served a classified discovery letter on Jack Smith's office. We've sent multiple letters to them, but they sent a one-page response on October 15th. They said the position, they said it's legally a baseless position, saying that, quote, the prosecution team, Jack Smith's quote, is limited to the special counsel's office, the law enforcement officers who are working on this case, and Jack Smith's team does not include agencies or components whose personnel are not working on the case. They sent another letter. They said, oh no, we are working consistently within the the provisions of the Justice Department manual, but they didn't explain what that means, and the Jack Smith prosecutors, they also said, that we understand our discovery obligations and we will comply with them. But the letter did not confirm that they have responded to the materials that we produced. So we got on a phone call with them. And during a call on November 21st, we conferred with Jack Smith's office. He said, hey, losers, it's us again. We're asking for more material. Do you have it yet? They said, hey, jerks, no, we don't. On November 25th, the office provided a written response to our November 15th letter. The office disclosed that, quote, law enforcement agencies that worked on the investigation leading to this case were the FBI. So we check them off. The DOJ inspector general. Check them off. The National Archives inspector general, NARA. Deborah Steidel Wall is retiring, by the way. And the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. All those agencies. Now they say, okay, well that's great. We knew there were a lot of them. So underscoring the need for this motion, the office, Jack Smith, then took the position for the first time with respect to numerous discovery requests that responsible, responsive materials were not within the possession of the prosecution team. So we don't have them. They're not in our manila file folder, so we can't give them to you. We have 13 million pages of irrelevant garbage though, that will drop off in the back of a dumpster for you, that you have to read. Well, we don't want any of that. We want this. We don't have it. Well, why don't you have it? Well, because if we had it, we'd have to give it to you. We know that, which is why we're asking for the motions. They say, your honor. In this case, discovery obligations of Jack Smith, it extends to the entire office, right? It extends to the DOJ everybody who participated in the investigations related to 2020 and J6, also all federal agency components that participated or assisted those and the records of the January 6th committee. They're all part of the team. They say this is not what Jack Smith says. The team is not limited to attorneys who are, quote, working on this case. They say, and uh, just to put a pin in this for a second, It's also important to recognize that, Jack, and they might get to it here, but Jack Smith's office was created recently. And he picked up a bunch of people who were already working on this. So the special counsel who's supposed to be appointed after Trump announces he's running and, oh, okay, now we have to separate this out. He just picks up everybody who was already working on it in the first place, meaning that the investigation was not separate, fair and independent and impartial and all the things they claim it was. The special counsel's office, pursuant to the Attorney General Garland's order, had conducted broad investigations that gave rise to this case and other charges in Florida. They say lawless charges. Now, in accordance with that order, the special counsel's office did not silo its investigative activities or its personnel during the investigation, and it should not be permitted to do so now for purposes of discovery. For example, they say Jack Smith's office used the same grand jury in this district in DC for matters in both cases. So they used a DC grand jury to go get information that they used to file in Florida. They say Assistant Special Counsel John Pelletieri has appeared on behalf of Jack Smith's office in this case and in Florida. Senior Assistant Special Counsel Saska. Thomas Wyndham, who has entered a notice of appearance in this case in D.C., he also participated in at least 27 interviews in Florida. Julie Edelstein, in the Florida case, also participated in 29 interviews in this case. Jay Brett, counsel of record in Florida, also participated in 10 interviews in this case. Now, notwithstanding the clear overlap of personnel and their intermixed responsibilities, the office has sought to artificially narrow its definition of the prosecution team to an unidentified subset of individuals who, quote, apparently in its sole judgment are, quote, working on this case, whatever that means. Uh, Not so. As the entire office has participated in this prosecution, both in fact and by General Garland's order, the entire DOJ is subject to the prosecution's discovery obligations. So we don't care if it's not in your manila file folder. Get it. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office for D.C., right? These people were were just all over the place, just like, you know. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the D.C. says, the prosecution's team also includes the D.C. office. They participated in any investigation related to 2020 as well as personnel now, or who previously assisted the special counsel. It's broad. Prior to, and in anticipation of the appointment of the special counsel, the D.C. prosecutors played a leading role in the investigation in this case. For example, in November 2020, deputy special counsel called J.P. Cooney and Molly Gaston, we know her as Highlighter Girl, who convinced Judge Chutkin that Trump's defense didn't even need to read the discovery because she organized everything and had a nice little flow chart or something. I don't even know. But she said, we organized everything with sticky notes and tabs. And Chutkin's like, I love this. I love highlighters. Yes. They don't need to read 13 million pages of documents. Trial scheduled for March. So they were there as prosecutors. Okay. This is before January 6th even happened. Molly was working as a prosecutor in D.C., She wrote to Attorney General Bill Barr, and she said back then in November that the election claims of fraud were false. They didn't didn't even have any time to investigate. We didn't even have outcomes from courts. But Molly, who is now prosecuting this case, was already decided, despite not having any time to investigate anything. Now, consistent with the political bias reflected in their correspondence, in early 2021, Cooney, another prosecutor, led a group of prosecutors in D.C. who wanted to expand their investigations to target Trump. So both of these people are partisan hacks who have already been anti-Trump from day one. And Jack Smith just put them on the team. So the D.C. then prosecuted the first charges related to January 6th, which were announced on January 8th, and that the public and court-facing role has continued today. On January 12th, Acting U.S. Attorney General, uh, attorney in D.C., Michael Sherwin led one of the first press conferences back on January 12th, just six days after J-6. Immediately following Garland's confirmation in March, Sherwin briefed Garland on the status of the investigation. When Sherwin left his post to go back to Florida, he violated DOJ, DOJ policy and participated in a 60 Minutes interview regarding the investigation. The following day, D.C.'s chief of criminal division notified Judge Mehta that Sherwin was the target of an investigation by the DOJ Office of Professional Responsibility. So then Sherwin left. In November 2021, Matthew Graves was sworn in and Graves immediately started pushing the DOJ to bring seditious conspiracy charges. Around that time, 2021, Thomas Windham, He arrived in D.C. as a transfer from the Maryland attorney's office that same month. FBI Washington then rejected grand jury subpoenas that were proposed by Wyndham because his plan sounds similarly eerie, eerily similar to Cooney's proposal that had already been shot down, as well as a pitch by Wyndham to pursue the fake electors. So these people, you know, bloodthirsty, bloodlusty prosecutors. Let's go after Trump. I'm going to make my career on this. Rather than recognizing the lack of any evidentiary basis for these grand jury proceedings, because who cares about that? Wyndham discreetly asked the Postal Inspection Service if it might help. Can you guys manufacture something with the biased project that the FBI had already declined to pursue? Now, didn't stop there. During the summer of 2022, Graves put Cooney in charge of the investigation in DC. In November 2022, Cooney, Wyndham, and roughly 20 others agreed to join the special counsel's office. The order appointing the special counsel notes the ongoing responsibility of the DC team for quote, currently pending and future investigations. Now these responsibilities do not alter the fact that this case originated as a DC investigation and they just all, they all just moved over. Okay, so 20 people just picked up their bags. They were already in psycho mode trying to go after Trump. And they just went over to Jack Smith's office. So since the order, the special counsel's office has enjoyed constructive access to the D.C. documents. So Jack Smith didn't do his investigation on his own. He just pillaged everything from D.C. In August, the discovery letter, Jack Smith wrote that the D.C., quote, maintains a separate database of materials compromising discovery in the J-6 cases. The letter also stated that the quote, investigative team in the case had accessed certain materials within that database and has taken into its possession certain materials that the investigative team may rely on or use at trial. So they say, great. So Trump's people say, great. Okay, so you were, so the special counsel, you were accessing the DC database? Great. We want to access the DC database too. That means there is no question that the DC team is part of Jack Smith's team. You don't just get unfettered access unless you're part of the team. Now, Jack Smith also includes, his team also includes, oh, look at these redactions here, can't wait, says, also includes the components within the DOJ that participated in the investigations and deliberations related to the charging decisions. Who said go? The Office of the Attorney General, Office of the Deputy Attorney General, and the National Security Division, and the Public Integrity Section, and others. Now, current and former, quote, senior leaders of the DOJ, are likely witnesses in this case. We know that from the indictment. The indictment also contains allegations about so-called sham election crime investigations. Sham election crime investigations. So Trump was investigating crimes, but they were not real. But these officials and members of the DOJ public integrity section played key roles in suppressing those very investigations that were related to widespread fraud. As one example, on November 8th, 2020, ah, what is that? Says the DOJ suppressed investigations relating to widespread fraud in 2020. Here's one example. Redacted, 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 redacted. That comes from that document. Also, redacted, 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 and redacted. Now, the following day, Bill Barr removed the consultation requirement that the director had relied on in an effort to suppress the investigation. After Bill Barr resigned on November 12th, Cooney and Molly sent the letter, the above described letter to Bill Barr, declaring without basis, Contrary to the facts that were emerging, that claims of fraud were false. Okay, so somebody did something. Following day, Bill Barr removes a consultation requirement that they had used to suppress the investigation. Bill Barr gets skittish. He leaves, resigns. Molly sends a letter. We're coming after you. And Bill Barr, as we know, is an institutionalist. So he's like, well, if the DOJ says I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't. So he resigns. Now, subsequently, after Bill Barr got the letter from Cooney and Molly, redacted, redacted happened, and then redacted happened, and then, oh my gosh, redacted happened. And I'm not, I can't even explain what's happening here because it's just too hard to explain. More redactions. And I would love to be able to share what's in this sentence, but I can't because I can't read it. Now, they say beginning in January 2021, Personnel from the DOJ's National Security Division joined the DC office in prosecuting cases related to January 6. So more players enter the game, and so and so and so and so did that thing, and that thing led to this thing, and we note the following. We can't read it now. In fact, fe- and you can see why. Uh, obviously, Jack Smith and Chutkin want this gag order to be in place because this looks pretty problematic. The NSD joined the division? What did they do? Now, in February 2021, the National Archives, their inspector general, they asked the Justice Department Election Crimes Branch, which is part of the public integrity section, to consider investigating the seemingly coordinated effort in swing states. So National Archives, inspector general, now pings this over to DOJ in February. They said, citing prosecutors' discretion, the department told the archives it would not pursue the topic, according to two people familiar with the decision. Also in February, the acting AG explained that he received daily updates on the Capitol cases daily. DOJ leadership participated in discussions about Cooney's proposal to trace who had financed the false claims of the election. Sherwin briefed Matt Axelrod, who had been selected by President Biden to, quote, run the DOJ until Garland and Monaco could be confirmed on Cooney's inappropriate proposal. High level DOJ participation in the investigation continued after Attorney General Garland took over. Just hours after he was sworn in, Garland and his deputies were briefed on the J-6 investigation. During the summer of 21, Garland and Lisa Monaco, they continue to get briefing materials related to this as well the office of the AG and the deputy AG Monaco participated in deliberations over whether to bring seditious conspiracy charges against Rhodes. Garland getting, quote, deep into the weeds on this. Sherwin later, a U.S. attorney told the Washington Post that he heard from a close Justice Department ally that Garland and his deputies felt boxed into the seditious conspiracy charges or to tough questions if they didn't bring them. Interesting, isn't it? Now, by at least 2021, Matthew Olson, the assistant AG for national security, he pressed to take on a role in the J-6 case. Olson argued to Monaco and other senior Justice Department officials that an effort to block the peaceful transfer of power was squarely in the vein of the national security division, and he wanted to join the team. As further evidence of close coordination between the DOJ and the D.C. office, They were working together. Now, they're also saying the FBI in Washington, the Washington field office, is also part of the team. And we need to know about them. They say because their personnel are potential witnesses and they've assisted the relevant investigations since their inception. FBI was involved. On January 2nd, this agent did that horrific thing and this piece of garbage did that thing. By at least January 3rd, these losers all did this thing. Can't read what it is. Now, in late 2021, Mike D'Antonio, the assistant director in charge of the FBI, Washington, he gave Wyndham full access, he's a U.S. prosecutor, to the FBI's, quote, trove of evidence about the Oathkeeper and Proud Boy extremists involved in the riots. In April 2022, the FBI opened a formal investigation in targeting President Trump, and apparently, without acknowledging in internal files, that the agents were targeting Trump. Director Ray signed off on the authorization opening up a criminal investigation and some of the ex president's advisors and his re-election campaign were identified as the focus of the bureau's probe but not president Trump so the FBI's in on it too Now for similar reasons DHS is also a part of the team Trump says the secret service needs to be involved and CISA Now not surprisingly at least two courts in this district have already concluded that the Secret Service is part of J-6 cases. We know that. And also, as described in other parts of Homeland's strategic plans, they participated in the election by creating an election task force, DHS was. In fact, CISA coordinated these efforts with DHS's Office of Intelligence and Analysis, which is part of the IC and the FBI. This sentence is also redacted. Now, in addition, in the indictment, Jack Smith also credited and relied upon Chris Krebs, former CISA director, as well as joint statements from their agency. And DHS also participated in security efforts related to the protests at the Capitol. We know that because this sentence has been redacted. Now, on January, the acting attorney general announced that the DOJ had been working closely with other agencies like the DHS, and so we know the DHS should be involved. They talk about the DOD, say that components of the DOD were also part of Jack Smith's team. This is the entire deep state being listed here. On January 6th, Capitol Police and Metro Police pleaded with DOD officials for immediate assistance. According to Mark Milley, Trump had previously directed Acting Secretary of Defense to ensure that there was sufficient National Guard and soldiers there. Milley says it himself, that the acting secretary responded, saying, we've got a plan, and we've got it covered. But on the afternoon of January 6, the acting secretary approved a request for more assistance, saying that miscommunication and confusion during the preparations demonstrated by conflicting reports about who authorized the deployment contributed to the delay. They also want the Office of the DNI, Director of National Intelligence. They say in early January, the Director of National Intelligence, they facilitated a classified briefing with co-conspirator number four. In the indictment, the prosecution ignored that stuff. But the ODNI assisted in the investigation that led to this case. We discussed this in the classified supplement. We know the CIA is also a part of Jack Smith's team. telling us, Well, they're not going to tell us anything about that one. That is the shortest section in here. For the reasons stated in the classified supplement, the CIA's assistance merits inclusion on the prosecution team. Don't you want to read that one? Really want to read that one. What did the CIA do? They say the J6 committee is also closely aligned. During the fall and winter, Timothy Heapy, the lead investigator, was working with the D.C. team. For example, in November 2021, prosecutors from that office charged Steve Bannon with criminal contempt. In April of 2022, in an apparent effort to conceal the extent of the coordination between the DOJ and the J-6 committee, leadership from the DOJ's criminal division and the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. sent a letter to Hefe with a broad request for interview transcripts based on self-serving leaks from the DOJ, that there were subsequently contradicted by the New York Times, they say generally investigators were working on information, but had not been information sharing. They have not been sharing information. So they're like, yes, we have. And they said, we better fix that. So he sends a letter. Can you send us like one of everything? He's like, oh, certainly. Thank you for the official request. Here is one of everything to cover up the fact that they were already sharing everything. Now, at some point, the committee started to engage in negotiation. A deal was obviously struck between the two, but none of that's been disclosed. So we need to see that now. They give us some discussion. They say, this is important. Materials that are in the prosecution's team are a part of the team within their team need to be disclosed to us. The team is not limited to the attorneys who entered their appearances on this case. The office says that they uh, 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 comply with the justice manual, but it seems like they're not doing that now. President Trump cannot predict all the different types of discoverable material in those files, but we know that some material exists. For example, Jack Smith's office should not be permitted to present testimony from, quote, senior leaders of the Justice Department without reviewing their electronic communications for materials. Yeah, if their witnesses are senior leaders of the DOJ, well, we need to know what they were saying in their emails so that we can cross-examine them and, and, and get to the bottom of who they are as witnesses. The office has accessed hard copy files, storage, in storage at the office of the AG, and because of this material and because it exists, we are entitled to see it. There are also inconsistent statements from Jack Smith's prosecutors in this case and in other cases. And we need to get to the bottom of those discrepancies. And finally, because Jack Smith's incorrect theory of Trump's responsibility for the J6 events is materially different from positions in other cases, they say that they can't rely on case file reviews. We need to go deeper. And that Jack Smith has an obligation to give us these materials. Saying the prosecutor has an affirmative duty to give us these things. And that our discovery extends to the January 6 records as well. In November 2021, General Milley told the committee, we have a boatload of documentary stuff, both classified and unclassified. I'll make sure that we get you whatever we have. It's a lot. So General Milley is likely a prosecution witness. He turned over documents to the committee, including classified materials. And so if Milley gave them to Cheney, we want those materials as well. And for the foregoing reasons, they say President Trump respectfully submits that the court should enter an order defining the scope of the prosecution team so that we know what we can go get. If it's just the DOJ and Jack Smith's office, well, we can't really go outside and get anything and the alternative they say the court should hold a classified hearing to address this case signed by John Lauro and Todd Blanche filed in Judge Chutkin's courtroom in the January 6th case out of Washington DC so it would be nice to know who the other players are so that you can go and ask for evidence that they might have but we know what judge chutkin is likely to do which i think will be to deny this or to say that it's not her position, right? It's up to Jack Smith's team to define Jack Smith's team. And if they want to argue over bits and pieces of evidence, she'll deal with that in another motion to compel. We'll see what she does. But of course, Jack Smith will be responding to this and then Trump will issue a reply and we'll be here continuing to cover. Now, there is a lot of conversation about this case and other cases. MSNBC's number one show, Inside Gensaki, brought on this guy to talk about the threats of Trump in a second term. And this is what it sounded like.
2: As I just
3: outlined there, I mean, there is a lot to talk about in terms of the threat of a second term. Obviously, there's the threat to democracy, abortion rights, Obamacare. What have you found is the most effective with voters and what should people expect to be seeing more from from the campaign?
4: Well, first of all, thank you for having me tonight, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I mean, all of it, really. Uh, I mean, a second Donald Trump term would be disastrous uh, for Americans, particularly uh, Americans of color, um, all over across across the board. Uh, you know, we're going to focus on making sure that we call out these things that he's saying that he would kill. For instance, Obamacare today is just the latest thing on the chopping block. Uh, and it's not really a surprise. There are not many pieces of legislation that actually literally save lives. And the ACA and Obamacare is one of them. Uh, and it's no surprise that, you know, Donald Trump, the so-called architect of the birther movement, uh, is going after the marquee, uh, piece of legislation from the first African-American president. Mm. I mean, who does that? This is something that would literally rip away health care from 40 million Americans. Uh, drive up the uninsured rate. Do you think that's
3: about Obama more than health care?
4: I think I think it's a petty grievance from somebody who is unfit and woefully unqualified to be president of the United States. Um, And it's in stark contrast to what Joe Biden is doing to lower health care costs, cap the cost of prescription drugs, life saving drugs uh, and make health care more affordable. And so all this is is somebody that's doubling down and being completely petty and not focused on the real issues that are impacting Americans.
0: And, And that's how they feel. Right. So it's everywhere. It's abortion. It's all the issues. And so Trump needs to be taken out. Otherwise, it's a serious threat. And we'll be here continuing to cover this case and more, my friends. We'll see what else Jack Smith says in response to this in Chutkin's courtroom. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for inviting someone that you know to come out and check our live streams here. We go live daily during the week at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'd love to have you here. We'd love to have them here. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right, my friends. And... We got one final segment left on the day. And this is, again, about the January 6th case. A lot of drops on this one today. And so let's get to it. Judge Chutkin denies Donald Trump's request for a subpoena. And of course, that's no surprise. This was related to the January 6th records that are allegedly missing. We know that Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin don't want Trump talking about much of this case with gag orders and so on, but they also don't want Trump seeing much of the evidence in this case because of protective orders and classified filings that are being filed ex parte and all sorts of wild things happening in this case. But Trump says, all right, if you're not going to give us the materials, can we go get it ourselves? Can you please grant us permission to send a subpoena to the January 6th committee so that we can get the materials that we need to do our job? We are lawyers. We have the right to defend our client. You're supposed to have the presumption of innocence and a free, fair criminal proceeding. But of course, that's not happening. So they asked for the request for a subpoena. Chutkin denied that. We'll go through it. And then we'll listen to some reaction from some hysterical people on the media waves. But this is what Chutkin said. In an opinion and order, seven pager out of the District of Columbia, Trump said, can we please have subpoenas so that we can go get these records? Jack Smith said, you don't need the subpoenas. Here is." Chutkin agreeing with the government, no surprise. She says, before the court is Donald Trump's motion for subpoenas. Now, the subpoenas would require the federal government to produce records related to the House Select Committee J6 investigation. And for the reasons set forth below, Judge Chutkin will deny the motion. Because, of course, it's Judge Chutkin. Now, just to be clear about this, Jack Smith had years to investigate this, or let's say the prosecutors who were working on this case had years. Then he gobbled them up when he was appointed. Then they had months to bring their case, subpoenaing everybody, using grand juries in D.C. to go after people in Florida and D.C. and everywhere. Trump wants one subpoena to go and get some materials that are relevant to this very case, and the judge denies them, right? Trump has no time to prepare a defense. Trump has trial coming up in March. He asks, can I please get more materials? No, sorry. Here is what they asked for. The motion requests leave to issue subpoenas, deuces, tecum. So bring some documents with you to seven non-party individuals. Who are these people? The archivist, the National Archives, NARA, Deborah steidel Wall the clerk of the House of Representatives, the person responsible for preserving the J6 committee records, the current House on Administration, which is the successor entity to the J6 committee that was supposed to receive those records after the conclusion of the committee hearings, Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, Jonathan Meyer, general counsel to DHS, Representative Barry Loudermilk, U.S. House of Representatives, and of course, fishing, Benny Thompson, the U.S. House of Representatives, the chairperson who was in charge of the January 6th committee. Chutkin continues. She says, Trump's proposed subpoenas center on certain purportedly, quote, missing materials from the select committee's archives. And the subpoenas group the requested records into six categories. This is Chutkin writing. She says, all right, here's what Trump wanted. Select committee missing records, records about methods, practices about transferring or archiving the select committee missing materials. Because we know that when they basically put them in boxes and the Democrats lost the House and the Republicans got it, the Republicans are alleging that those records were filtered out, stuff was deleted, stuff was not preserved before it was handed over. They say that there are also records and communications about the loss or destruction of the missing materials. Trump wants communications from the DOJ or other law enforcement agencies related to the missing materials. They also want records and communications from the executive branch, the DOJ and others, and any other thing that is related to the missing records. Chutkin says, well, here's the rules about subpoenas. She says, subpoenas are not appropriate where the moving party seeks materials that you can get on your own or if they're a fishing expedition. She says a pretrial motion like this one has to meet three standards and that's the rule. She says, you know, Trump has just not met his burdens. Trump has not sufficiently justified his request for the missing materials or the five categories. He says, you know, Chuckton writes, Trump's proposed subpoenas, they define, quote, missing materials as certain records and communications that the committee sent to the executive branch. Because the the Congress sent stuff over to the White House before they wrapped up, which is wild. And then the White House apparently then transmitted those records to Sauber, the White House counsel. So select committee sends it over to Biden, essentially. Biden gives it to the White House lawyer. And they want also any letters dated as well as temporary committee records identified in footnote one. They say at a minimum, Trump asserts those records go into several categories. Video recordings, witness transcripts, intelligence information from the Secret Service, witnesses, other information, private operational details. And if materials were given over to the White House, that material and so on. Now, the judge says, according to the letters that Trump cites, however, the select committee did not actually send any material under most of those categories. So do you see what the judge did? Very sneaky. Very sneaky. Just says, actually, the things that you requested, the January 6th committee never sent them. So they're not actually missing. In other words, you're you're not asking for the right things. Now, as the government notes, the Sauber and Meyer letters describe transmitting only written transcriptions of the witness interviews, not any other records. So you're asking for a bunch of stuff, but they didn't even send any of the things. So, and the Thompson letters first footnote only identifies written transcripts of interviews. And so thus between what the Sauber and Meyer letters transmitted and what the Thompson letter footnote described, The the subpoena's definition of missing materials, it only reaches subcategories A and B, right? So in other words, they're saying, the judge is being very, very granular here, saying, basically, all of this, all this, this whole section here is just not even relevant, right? You don't, you're not even asking for this, because you're only referencing Thompson's letter and Sauber's letter, and Thompson's letter and Sauber's letter, they're only kind of talking about A and B, which are witness interviews, So because you didn't ask for the right things, because you're referencing those letters, you just don't get them and saying that Trump doesn't even contest this. So the court doesn't even need to consider the other things. Now, with regard to the subpoena for the written interview transcripts, subcategory B, the government says we already got those materials. It obtained those materials from the January 6th committee, from the White House and the Secret Service. And we already gave them to Trump in the first production more than two months ago. And Trump doesn't dispute that either. And so because the written transcripts are available, well, oh, you, you don't need a subpoena for those. And so that leaves subcategory A. Now we have the videos left. The judge is just using whatever she can to get rid of these. We have the subcategory A. Now, the videos, huh? Now, the written transcripts have already been given to you. And so why do you need the videos? The defense, Trump has not established the relevance of the videos. The motions say that the videos could be used for impeachment of witnesses, but evidence that could be used for impeachment is relevant. But Trump provides no basis for concluding. This is so corrupt. It's a wild finds no basis for concluding that the video recordings contain any such impeachment evidence. So she says. You want the videos because you say that there might be impeachment evidence on them, but you haven't made a showing that there's evidence that might be useful for impeachment purposes on the videos. You haven't shown that yet. And you're going, uh, well, that's because we haven't watched them. So we can't watch them to see if there's impeachment type material there. Obviously. But Judge Chutkin says, well, because you haven't watched them, You can't provide a basis for concluding that they contain evidence. And so this falls short of the burden. And because you can't show that you might need that evidence, sorry, they say you could have, you could have used the written transcripts of the interviews to identify particular portions of the video recordings where a demeanor or tone or expression would likely provide some impeachment evidence. So, for example, you could have gone through the transcript and said, we want this portion of the transcript because it might show this or that. But you don't even make that attempt to do it. And so, accordingly, you have not carried your burden because you're not asking for it with specificity for the missing materials. And so, sorry, you don't get it. You also fall short on the remaining five categories of records. Those categories cover documents pertaining to missing materials, including their storage, loss and transfer. But Trump does not state with any specificity the information he seeks in those records, repeating that only it's important because that they were a part of the attack investigation. But sorry, the broad scope of the records that you seek and the vague description of their potential relevance resemble a general fishing expedition. And so you're not going to get them. Defendant has not justified the issuance of a Rule 17 subpoena for the missing materials and therefore the court denies Trump's request to get access to the January 6 records signed by D- Judge Tanya Chutkin. And these are the same people on the left who say that this is going to be you know, open and we're going to see what's going on in this trial and Trump is clearly an insurrectionist. They They won't even give him and his defense the materials that they used. It's crazy. Won't even grant him a subpoena for it. And it is a January 6 case, but they don't need to get the records and they don't need to get the videos because the videos are not that important. The transcripts are good enough. Sorry, Trump, no evidence for you. And that's in America. So that's what's happening. This case is, you know, getting more and more illegitimate, in my opinion, by the day. And this is what some of the people are saying, that if Trump has the opportunity to get the videos, if he gets the subpoenas... He might be able to use that material to convince Americans like you and me that the DOJ is corrupt. And we're very susceptible to Trump and his language. And we're not that intelligent, so we can't really parse out what's true or not. And so they need to protect us over here on MSNBC.
3: But it's it's important that the American people understand this. This is a very dangerous and precarious time in this country. There are millions of Americans that are susceptible to the continued demagoguery of authoritarianism and for dividing this country in ways that will make this country unrecognizable. And people don't want to admit that that's how dangerous and close we are to this level of authoritarianism. Authoritarianism. We are going to wake up one day and not recognize our democracy if Dude, Donald Trump and his minions and people who follow Trumpism are back in power. Under all, no, there should be no circumstance whatsoever that a, a, the scourge of Trumpism, this lunatic. He is a lunatic. Are we listening to the rantings (laughs) of this madman? He tells them every single day, he posts them. We should be covering this. The American people should be hearing this. And frankly, the media should be pointing out that these are the rantings of an authoritarian lunatic that wants to turn this country into something resembling Nazi Germany in the 30s. That's the bottom line of it. And our judicial system has now been the, it's the final frontier. It's our last guardrail here to stop him and the federalist society who has been around
0: last guardrail to stop him you understand they're going to use the justice system the law the prosecutor's office and the special counsel's office and the courtroom in judge Chuckins, dc to take him out listen to them for decades this is this is the, the,
3: the the dog that caught the car they are completely off the rails now in what they were trying to do before. It's not mm-hmm. just, Oh, you know, conservatives, conservative scholarship. It has turned into authoritarianism and fascism yeah. and now it needs to be stopped.
0: Yeah. And this is, but that, it's, this is that other weird dude from the Lincoln project that I think had all those problems with uh, some, some legal problem with one of their founders at some point, but okay. So that's that person. This is Mark Elias, who is also somebody who is hitting the panic button a little bit over here. He, was or is the founder of Democracy Docket or highly involved with them. And they were responsible for a lot of the 2020 election litigation in the aftermath of the pandemic. And there's a lot of this happening again this year. And uh, different organizations are putting abortion stuff on the ballots to try to galvanize the vote in various swing states. And there's a lot of lawfare happening. And he's saying much the same thing.
2: I think, honestly, the judiciary has largely failed. I mean, I've talked before about the the bar the lawyers having failed democracy. If if Donald Trump were a Black 20-year-old who was picked up by the police on some minor petty offense, and he tweeted one one-hundredth of what Donald Trump tweets, if he said in public one word about a law clerk or about a judicial staff, he'd be thrown in prison. And we as Americans are not reconciling ourselves. We are not
0: wrestling with the reality of just what special treatment Donald Trump is getting. I don't know what city he's talking about, but we see a lot of criminality around the country and there are no consequences for it at all. I mean, if there was a Soros prosecutor, they'd probably give that person a medal and you know an accolade.
2: Donald Trump is not being treated like any other American citizen he's or like any much other criminal defendant. He is making a mockery of it. And the fact he is, should. it is time for he the should. federal judiciary and the state judiciary to take this head on and stop it. Take there is out. no special right of presidential candidates to defame people. There is no right well, if he's defaming people, then file a suit against him. You have presidential candidates to uh, intimidate witnesses, to threaten judges.
0: If he's threatening somebody, charge him with a crime because that's already a crime to do that
2: to intimidate and 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 spread misinformation about
0: courts and their clerks and their and their uh their their courtroom staff it's not it's not misinformation this dude has four different dog pictures around his head right now but he's got a misunderstanding of this because there is a lot of evidence that Allison Greenfield the judge's GF in the angeron case is completely biased we got video of her saying it and it is about time that the bar cracked down on these frivolous arguments that lawyers are making. Ooh. But it's time that the judges also take out the lawyers, like people like maybe me who are out here having alternative interpretations of this whole scam prosecution. Mark, stop bending over backwards and start treating Donald Trump like any other criminal defendant. All right. So you can see they're getting a little bit freaked out here. They need the judges, the judicial system to take out their political opponent, man. They need it now. And they're working hard on it. They got Judge Chutkin who's doing a lot of their bidding and issuing bizarre orders. We've got Angeron, Judge Ariola. We've got Big Fanny Willis, Tishy Latish James. Everywhere you turn, these people are organizing and working overtime to stop this. Now using you know Nazi imagery and stuff. It's like, are you serious, people? Relax. So We'll be here continuing to cover this, my friends. We've got a lot more to unpack here on all of these trials. I would love it if you hit that subscribe button and joined us because we're just getting started here. Trials starting next year in all of these cases. And so we'll be here. Thank you for checking out robertgovea.com, our website. If you want to grab any of the PDFs, that's the website to go to. Also sign up for our newsletter so you get all of these show reports delivered to your inbox. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right, my friends. Now, that is it for us. We covered some good ground today. Judge Chutkin denies Trump's request for subpoenas. No surprise there. Trump asking for the definition of Jack Smith's prosecution team. And we also saw Trump's motion to compel went out. And, of course, a lot of court filings today, but some good ones. We'll see what Jack Smith says in response to those. That, my friends is it for us on the day. We will be back here tomorrow to get into it all again. And we hope to see you right back here so that together with your help, we can shine that big, beautiful spotlight of accountability and transparency down upon our system with the hope of finding justice. Make it a beautiful night, my friends. Sleep very well. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Bye-bye.